Welcome to Unbreakable Spirit, stories of inspiring and thriving with Jennifer Seven, co-author of a book that is part of the Sisterhood Folios, a number one international bestseller. This is a podcast about real women who've overcome tremendous obstacles and come out on the other side to thrive. Whether their hardships were financial, relational, or health, these women dug deep and found the light out of the dark to rise from the ashes, to find the ability to forgive, to love, and to live an authentic, joyful life. Now, here is your host, Jennifer Seven. Welcome, everyone, to episode 20 of Unbreakable Spirit. I am so excited. This is such a milestone for Unbreakable Spirit that I've had the honor of listening to 20 women's stories, 20 women's unbreakable stories. And today, on our number 20, I have a wonderful guest who's going to share her story, which is a difficult one, and it's about domestic abuse and loss. I want to welcome Carrie Hadell. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. You are very welcome. And let me just tell you just a little bit about Carrie before we dive into her story. Carrie's had some amazing work in the corporate world. She actually started working with a startup airline until the company went out of business. And then she went on to become a flight attendant for a small regional carrier. And actually, while working as a flight attendant, she flew through 9-11. And then she met her ex-husband. Unfortunately, the airline went out of business. So she had to shift. And she went, she had to make a shift the honor of working on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. But in 2018, she decided that she was tired of the nine to five and she wanted to start working for herself. So she created her own LLC, which is Carrie Hadell LLC, and she helps people with social media, back and support, project management, website development, and just so much more. She absolutely loves what she does and the people she works with. So again, welcome, Carrie. <laughs> Carrie, we are going to dive into your story now. And I know it's a painful story, but I think it's important for people to hear this story and find out how you went through what you went through and, and how you got to where you are today. So let's go back in time and share with us wherever you want to start with your story. Thanks, Jen. I'm so excited to be here and to be able to share my story. So I would say my story starts, I've always wanted to have that idealistic life where, you know, you get married, you have kids, you get to, you have a family. Uh, it's, it was always my dream to be able to just be able to have that picture perfect. It's like the um, white, white picket fence. Yeah, just the white picket fence and all that stuff. So it was, it's very, it was always very, uh, something that I always dreamed about and, so in 2000, in 2001, I was going through, uh, I had just been through a breakup about a year prior to that. And I was my, I was living with some friends. I had some roommates and they were, they were like, oh, you should try out this dating website. And I was, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm just not into that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I've never really been into dating websites and everything and dating apps and all that stuff. But I decided to try it and just see it was a Christian, uh, what it was a Christian dating site. So I decided to go ahead and just give it a try and see, see what happened. 
And so I did. And I, so I did. And so I, I got on and I was on for about three days and I met this guy and we started talking and I mean, everything about him just seemed perfect. He was amazing. And he, we just had so much in common. He was, he was from Rochester, New York. He was, we, we were a year apart, exactly a year apart. And he, he was from a big family. His family was Catholic and he, but we were from two totally different sides of the spectrum as far as our like economic standpoint, you know, his, you know, his parents had, uh, you know, they were living on their social security and they, it was just a much simpler life than living in DC. So, uh, but it just, I, I always thought, you know, opposites attract, they say, so I felt like it was going to be a good match. And we, we soon transitioned to emailing and talking over the phone. And it got to the point where we would talk for nights on end for like three, four hours. And I remember when I first told him that I loved him, I remember uh, working for the airlines at the time. So I was able to fly back and forth to Rochester from DC. And so I, I remember the first time I met him, we went to Friendlies. That was our first. Oh, <laughs> I actually worked for Friendlies in college. <laughs> yeah. And so it was, it was just, I, I mean, like it was just so simple, you know, it was a very simple life that they led up there. So it was just completely different. But the one thing I do remember was the snow, the snow, mm. it never stopped snowing. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was definitely an interesting time the the two of us dating and yeah, it's we, like long distance, romantic, yeah. exciting. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was exciting. And I mean, going up to Rochester, I actually, I actually enjoyed the break from DC from all the hustle of DC and everything. It was, it was really great to be able to just be at, in a very simple area, never been to upstate New York. I always, it was so funny. The first question I asked him was, so we would go to Rochester and he, uh, I would ask him if he had gone to New York city and he, he was like, that's, that's like eight hours away. So, or four hours away or five hours. I don't know how far away it was, but it was, it was like, it was, it was insane that he thought that I, or that I thought that he actually like could hop over to New York city from Rochester. Oh, <laughs> cause you didn't know the geography. <laughs> no, I didn't know the geography. It's a big state. So it was like, you know, I just, I mean, I just assumed that everybody in New York goes to New York city. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it was just a, it was just a really kind of a funny little thing, but anyway, so we, so we, we really, we got really close. I got really close with his family. He's one of six kids and he has like 15 nieces and nephews. So it was a, it was a huge family. So anyway, we, uh, we continued and then we finally decided that it was time for him to move down to DC. And when I say it was a culture shock for him, Mm. it was a culture shock because it was just a different area, but, but it was really good to have him down in DC. He stayed with some friends of mine. And then in at the end of April, he proposed uh, to me at Olive Garden and it was the most amazing proposal. Like, honestly, I don't, we could have been in the bathroom as far as I was concerned. Cause it was just, it was just so, I just felt like my life was finally complete. And mm-hmm. I, I knew that things were going to be better and that everything was going to be all right. So I was really excited. We called our families that night. We told them I was telling friends. I mean, I was like ready to start planning we we chose May eighteenth, two thousand three, as our date to get married. That was a, a a year later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got engaged in April of 03. Uh, I'm sorry, April of 02. I'm sorry. And so we got married in May of 2003. So we had our wedding was like uh, almost like a gone with the wind, the house that we got married at. It was like a gone with the wind kind of setting. So it was just the whole thing was just amazing. And we, we ended up getting a gift of a cruise from some guests from one of the guests that came to the wedding. And so we ended up going through, through Long Beach, California to Catalina Mm. and and Sonata, Mexico. And it was just an amazing time. And we were there for seven days and it was just so much fun. I had never been on a cruise before. So, but unfortunately when we came back home, I, we got a phone call from the bank that we were overdrawn in our checking account by over $3,000 and I couldn't figure out what had happened. I knew that we didn't pay for a lot uh, for the for the honeymoon. And I knew that there just wasn't a lot of transactions that could have gone through between the short time that- And we that, were- that's a lot of money. I mean, you're like, how, how are we overdrawn by $3,000? Yeah, yeah. And so, I did, and so I said to him, I said, you know, I said, I don't understand how we're, we're overdrawn by $3,000. And it was very confused. It was- I didn't understand. And he, he just, he said to me, he said, you know, he said, listen, don't worry. He said, I'm going to handle this. He said, um, he said, don't, don't worry about it. But the, the, the thing was that he said he was going to handle it, but he didn't explain it. So I, again, I trusted him. So I just, I went with what he said and I just Mm -hmm. said it was okay. And so then about three months into our marriage, I came home early from work because I was going to see if he wanted to go have lunch with me. And I was calling his name. I saw his car outside. So I knew he was home. I was calling his name and he wasn't answering. So I ran upstairs to see if he was there. And when I came into our bedroom, I was horrified to see that he was in bed with three prostitutes. Oh my God. And it was, it was probably one of those like out of body experiences that you just don't understand what's going on. And I, I was frozen and I, I didn't know if I should run or if I should stay and ask questions or what I, sh- I was very confused. I, I can only imagine. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. And so I, so I, I ran and I ran downstairs and I just started screaming at the top of my lungs and, and he came downstairs and he tried to console me and tried to talk to me and there was just no talking. I, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to talk about. You know, it was just, it was, you must've been an utter shock, just shock. It was. Yeah. It was, it was, it was the most shocking thing probably I've ever experienced in my life. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't have any words. I was speechless. And he, he just kept like rubbing my shoulder and just saying, you know, everything's okay. I'm sorry. Like, you know, it was just, but like you say, you're sorry for like accidentally running into somebody. You say you're sorry for like, you know, just for misunderstandings, but this was a misunderstanding. I mean, it was, you know, and so it was, it was very, very, it was a big turning point for me. What I thought was a big turning point, but he he said to me, he said, "Don't worry, it's not going to happen again." He said, "I I love you, I care about you, I care about this marriage," and again, I trusted him. I trusted that he was okay and that things were going to be all right. And we were at a Bible study. This about three months later, we were at a Bible study, and he 
was talking to some of the people there and he was talking about that he was struggling with some stuff that he just didn't feel like he could explain or talk about. And, and so we got in the car later that night and I said, you know, what were you, what were you talking about? And he said, well, for 15 years, I've been addicted to pornography. And I, I was, again, I was confused because I was like, you're like, where did, where did this come from? Why am I just finding this out? We've been married for three months and you're like my, you're like my person. And, and he, he was, he was like, I, I just didn't know how to say this. And I said, well, did you think to say this? Like when we were, when we were dating, Mm -hmm. did you say this? Like when you proposed to me, (laughs) did you think to say this before we got married? Like, did you, you know, and, and so I, you know, I did what I thought. So his, his, again, his family, they're very devout Catholics. His two of his brothers are pastors. So I went to his family and I just said, what am I supposed to do with this information? And how do I help your brother? And what they, how they responded to me was shocking. They said to me, oh, we know. Oh boy. And I said, you know, I said, how do you know? And they, they said, well, we've known for years. And I said, <sighs> did anybody feel like they needed to say something to me about this? Like, I mean, this is my husband. I mean, it's just, you know, and so it was just, it was very, my mom uses the word hoodwinked. My mom says we were hoodwinked. I honestly had never heard that term until my mother used it, but, but we say that my mom says that. And so I, you know, to this day, I think back and I'm like, it's just, it just doesn't, I, I don't understand. Like, it's, like a lot doesn't add up. It, can yeah. I ask you a couple questions? Yeah. So you were together how long before you got married? So we met at the end of 2000 in December of 2000. And then we, and then he moved to DC in April of 2002. So it was three years before you actually got married and no red flags along the way or oh. you look, no, no. And this treated me like a queen. Wow. And so then there's this family, this very Christian religious family who has this secret. Mm -hmm. How did, how in the world did they reconcile that? I mean, pornography, that's pretty, uh, non-Christian or or him getting help. Oh, it is. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it was, it was, it was difficult. And I mean, and when, but the thing I think that was, I remember like his mom, I remember his mom talking to me and she was telling me, she said, you know, Carrie, she said, she said, whatever happens with him, she said, you need to know that you are called to leave and cleave. And that's in the Bible. Okay. What is leave? And I understand cleave. I'm not sure what the leave means. You're supposed, so in the Bible, it says you're supposed to leave your family. So I leave my family. Oh, okay. Cleave. I cleave to my husband. So, and, and the reason that that was so, that that was so impactful of what she said was because there was a moment there was, well, there was multiple moments, but there was a moment where, where we actually lost our place to live and we were actually having to stay with people kind of rent a basement and stuff. And, and it was because of his issue. And so we, he basically bankrupted us. We didn't, I didn't file for bankruptcy, but he bankrupted us to the point where I couldn't, we couldn't pay anything and we had to downsize all of our stuff. And so we were staying with this woman who was a friend of my mom's and she herself was 
a very strong Christian and she knew about his problem. And she just said, I'm just letting you know that if this happens in my house, he has to leave. Like she wasn't comfortable with this going on in her house. Yeah. So, and so it did happen. Okay. So, so he, he ruined your finances because he was doing online or was he still like actually with people? So he didn't have any more people after the one that I caught him, but that's not to say that he didn't go meet people. Oh, okay. It just wasn't in your home. Right. And so, and he worked, he had a a job to help pay for all of this. Well, so that's the other thing is, so my, so my dad, who uh, my dad, uh, my dad helped him get multiple jobs. Uh, My dad got, my dad helped him get a job with on Capitol Hill, my dad helped him get a job with the airlines. And while on Capitol Hill, he was uh, found looking at the computer, um, wow. lost his job. Oh my goodness. Uh, and so, yeah, so he, so he was constantly losing his job, constantly losing opportunities all the time. And so what ended up happening with this woman that we were staying with was he broke the commitment that he, that he had to her that that he wasn't going to do anything. And we were asked and he was asked to leave. But I remember, you know, you always have those like defining moments where you say, what if, or anything, you know? And so I remember we were downstairs and she looked at him and she said, you need to leave, but she doesn't need to leave. Oh, and, and I, I remember my mother-in-law, I talked to my mother-in-law that same day. And she told me, she said, Carrie, she said, you're to leave and cleave. Mm. So your, your role is with your husband. You don't let him go by himself. And, it, and, and at the time, I mean, I, I didn't, didn't really understand and I didn't really know what else to do. So I just listened to my mother-in-law. And maybe, maybe she thought you were going to save him. Maybe that's what a lot of this was. Maybe this wonderful woman, Carrie, who's come into his life, they've got this great thing going. Maybe you were you were going to, maybe that was why, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just thinking yeah. out loud. Maybe well, you were going to be this. Yeah. Savior. I will say he, he told me at one time, there was many weird things that he told me, but he told me at one time that he, he thought marriage would, would cure him. Would fix it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons he felt like he didn't need to say anything because he felt like marriage was going to fix him and everything would be, everything would be okay. Mm-hmm. after we got married and he wouldn't have this problem and life would go on. And, and, and at any point, did he try to do any therapy or counseling for this, or he was just yeah. going to fix it on his own? We did. We, so, so there's a, there's a mega church that's in the DC area and they, they kind of took us under their wing and helped him. They got him involved in some pretty intense programs that, that they paid for stuff. And we had several pastors there at that. It's a huge church in the DC area. And, and so we were pretty active in the church and also just with him doing his therapy. Well, I said to him, I said, are you going to, going to make these changes? Are you going to do this stuff? And he said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he was, he was part of this program where it was supposed to be 33 weeks and there's like a halfway point where family comes and they like celebrate your milestone and kind of cheer you on that you're halfway through and, and everything. And so I went 
And I, I was talking to the people and I was like, oh, I'm so glad that he's here and that he's able to be part of this and that he's, that he's got this support system in place. And I felt like things were getting better. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, what, what's wrong? And they said, he's only attended five out of 16 meetings. So oh, no, oh and no. I was like, where is he going? And so that's when I knew he was, he was going and doing stuff. You must have felt punched in the stomach when like that gut of, oh no, oh no. Yeah. It was, it was upsetting. Yeah. But I think the part that was, the part that was more upsetting was a lot of people. And I think, I think this is part of the domestic violence portion of things. Like, I think this is only the second time I've really talked about my story, but people that knew him, like knew us and knew us together when they heard what was going on, they were like, what he's doing that? Like I, cause I would tell people, like I would come out of my house and, you know, I might have like a black eye or I might have sunglasses on to hide my face or whatever. And people would, people would, would be like, what happened? And I would tell them like, there was one time where he, he kicked me down the stairs and well, he, well, he took his hands and he cupped his hands and he put him over my ears and screamed into my ear. And to this day, I, I have a lot, I have trouble hearing, Mm -hmm. like I have to ask people to repeat things and it annoys people. I have, I have a guy that I work with that it annoys him to no end Mm -hmm. to to repeat himself. And I get frustrated because I'm, I want, because I say this to people, I'm like, it's not that I, that I'm like trying to be annoying, but I cannot hear sometimes here. And so he took his hands and did that. And then he, he kicked me down the stairs and I rolled down the stairs and then he came down and he kicked me in the stomach and he put his face in my face. And he told me, you will never leave here. You are, you are under my control. You will never leave here. And that was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. Yeah. So Carrie, we've talked about the addiction, but let's go back. And when did this abuse start? Because up to that point, up to a point, there had been no abuse. And then you find out about this addiction to pornography. When did this abuse start to creep in the physical abuse? Yeah, I would say it probably started. He, it started pretty early on. I would say it started probably one or two months into our marriage, but I didn't know what the abuse was for. Like, I didn't know he, he would get angry if anything like went awry with our finances. So I just thought, I just thought he was stressed out. Like Mm -hmm. I would say, oh, he's just stressed out. But, but what it was, was he, what I realized was, is that if he was able to get his quote unquote fix, Mm -hmm. he would be all right. But if he wasn't, then it was, then I, he just simmered. Yeah. So, so did it really start after you caught him with those three in the bed? Yeah. 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 It was pretty. So now the secret is out and Mm -hmm. more starts to become more of himself is shown to you. I stayed with him. We didn't get divorced until 2012. We, at the advice of my friend who did our, who officiated our wedding, we separated in 2010 and we divorced in 2012. And ironically, he actually filed for divorce 
I, when, when we separated, I was, I thought I was going to be happy to be out of this situation because I had been through such hell with all the abuse and all the controlling and manipulation and everything. And one thing I will say is, and this is just a key fo- a key thing for me is, is that I came into this marriage like a size eight, size 10, I think it was, I came out a size 22. Mm. Uh, and, and I say that with some like embarrassment, but also just like saying that that's how much of a toll he took on me because I couldn't function. Like I was going and eating and I was doing things that were just like, I couldn't take care of myself. I was so stressed. Being in the weight loss business myself, I know that there many women, they feed themselves or they comfort themselves with food and then they gain the weight because it's a protection. It's like, maybe he won't find me attractive or I, I don't want to be attractive to anyone. I just, so in a way it's a, a buffer. I don't know if that was true for you or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it was definitely a, definitely a, a, try, a thing for me to just be able to feel like that I, I don't know. I just, I felt like I lost myself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just, I felt like I lost myself completely. And it was, it was just, I, I couldn't function and I couldn't do anything. And my whole self was, and I felt, I felt like that again, like he was one way with everyone. Like everyone thought that's, everyone thought he was the most amazing person outside. People would be like, Oh my gosh, we love him. He's so great. He's so nice. He's so sweet. He's so, and so, but they had no idea like the hell that I was going through. I mean, I remember we were driving another time we were driving and I was on the phone with my dad. That's one thing he told me that I, that kind of clicked with me because my dad and I are very close and uh, we've always been very close. And he told me, he said, I don't like the relationship with with you and your dad. Like he was jealous. Mm, It's that controlling. Yeah. Yeah. It's isolate you, isolate you from anyone that might help you. Yeah. And so I, uh, and so I was on the phone with my dad one time we were, I was driving, I was on the phone with my dad and he was in the passenger seat. And all of a sudden he just started hitting me on my back. He knocked the phone out of my hand and I ended up pulling over at this storage unit in Herndon and the guy that owns the storage unit, he just, he knew me personally and he saw the situation. He called my dad and he was like, you need to come out here ASAP. And my dad, I remember my dad went running through the woods (laughs) and he grabbed him and he was like, you're never going to touch her again, (laughs) you know? And he promised and he said, I won't. And, and things were okay for, for a while, a week or so, but started back. Only you only got a week out of it. Got a week. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie, can we go back for a moment to the first time he got physical with you? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. I'm just trying to think of when, yeah. I mean, I mean, was it a defining moment for you? Uh, it's the first time this man yeah. like hurts you physically. Right. I mean, I think it was a, fir- well, it was the first time any man had hit me yeah. or been done anything like that, that it was just, I, I couldn't, I don't know. I was just, I couldn't understand. And do you remember what happened or what set him off the first time? It was finances. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely about finances. And he was just, he was very angry about what, what was like, what was going on with our finances? What was, he was, if I think it was, I think it was something with a bill or, so he, he was doing, I, I found out that he was doing some of those title, title payday loans or whatever those things are, those like payday that you can get like before your payday loan or something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I, I don't remember exactly what they're called, but, and so they were calling like nonstop, like it's like high interest for people with bad credit or something. And so they were calling. And I just remember, I remember, I don't know if this was the very first time, but I just remember asking about it. And I was like, what, what's going on? Like, what, you know, what are you, what are you doing over here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was just, I don't know. It was just very, it was very weird. And he just, it was very, this fishy, you know, I had never heard of these kind of loans or anything. It's like you, so, and so he did get, he got up in my face and was just like said, trying to, trying to survive. I'm trying to provide for this family. I'm trying to make ends meet and da, 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 and everything. And he said, I don't understand why you're getting mad at me. And his MO or his thing that he would always do is he would always scream in my ears. And that's why, to mm-hmm. this day, like I said, I just can't hear anything, but he would get up in my face and he would scream in my ear and he would, but then there was other times where he would do things like where he pushed me down the stairs or he would push me up against the wall or, but he always, he always wanted to make himself known that he was in charge. And that was the weird thing was that when we were out with other people, he was much more passive. But when we were behind closed doors, he was very aggressive. Yeah, well, that was his image to the world. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy and carries mm-hmm. the one the problem, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, so you, so you endure this for, for many years, I did. But, but you tried to get help. I did. Really. Yeah. And I, and like I said, I mean, I thought, I thought we were getting help and I thought he was getting help. And, and I thought that, that he was, that he was doing better and stuff, but it just, it just wasn't getting better. And I just didn't know, I didn't know how to help him. So you go through all of this and then you get to the point where you actually do separate. And how are you doing at this point when you're separated? It was hard. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to be with him. I wanted to, I felt like I had made strides, but I couldn't, I just couldn't, I was, I was having trouble like being without him. And so I, I kept calling him and saying, you know, let's work this out. Let's work this out. And, and he, a few times, you know, he was like, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll try and work this out. I was in Virginia beach. I had left DC because mm-hmm. I needed a different space. So I, I said to him, I said, I'm going to go to Virginia beach. I'm going to just leave and just have a different space. And he said, that was fine. We, I felt myself still drawing to him. Like I, I wanted to be with him. I wanted to I felt like I could fix him, that I could work this out. He would tell me one thing I I was always like, he's my husband. I can't just kept thinking about what my mother-in-law told me. Mm -hmm. Like I just, you know, I didn't know what else to do. And so I was very, I was just, I felt at a loss, but finally, I think that it was when I got divorce papers from him, I, 
I was livid. And that was was what was so ironic. Like I was, I was mad that he was filing for divorce against me. And I was like, what are you trying to do? Like, you know, and so, and like he had, he had uh, an, an attorney and I didn't have an attorney, but I had my dad who was kind of, who kind of guided me a little bit, you know, and everything. And, and he really dug his feet in the sand and said, we're, we're doing this. We're not, we're getting divorced. And, and it was just so ironic how I had gone through all this abuse with him and all this heartache with him, but yet he's the idiot who's filing divorce against me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I remember my dad telling me, he was like, Carrie, let's just cut our losses. Like, cause I wanted to go after him for everything. I wanted to say, you know, he's done this and he's done that. And he's, he's hurt me and he's treated me like crap and all this stuff. And, and my dad was like, it's just not worth it. It's not, it probably too, because he probably didn't have anything for you to go after. He didn't, he didn't, but, but more for me, it was the justification that I was Mm -hmm. like, I just like, I needed that justification to get through this, but I wasn't getting it. And so I, I, I don't know. It was very, it was very frustrating and very upsetting because I felt like that I didn't that I wasn't getting any justification for it. Cause so basically we filed based on irreconcilable differences and it was once I signed, which I, I held the process up. I did. I held the process up for almost a year and a half, but once I finally signed, it went very quick and we had our hearing. But what the other thing that was ironic was I had to ask for my name back for my last name. I had to ask him to let me get my name back. What? Was, I had to put a request in. Yeah. It was really? Yeah. You have to ask permission to get your name back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's scary. Yeah. That's, and so that's I, not right for women. Yeah, I remember getting the letter from the court that said it had been approved and I was able to, you know, he had to sign it. off on it. That's just like insane. Uh, yeah. So I was able to, I was able to get my name back and I was able to move forward. And I just, I, I did. And I moved forward. And so, but I stayed in Virginia beach for six years and I dated a guy who was probably a little bit less than what my ex-husband was, but he was, he was more verbal abuse than physical, but I saw the cycle continuing and it just, it just continued. And, and so I finally, I finally realized that I needed to go up, but go back to DC, that I just wasn't, I wasn't doing well in Virginia beach. I had been in a really bad accident. I had fallen asleep at the wheel of my car and I, they, they were telling me that it was amazing that I lived through it. I crossed over three lanes of traffic completely and um, hit the guardrail. And I knew at that time I, that I wasn't, that I needed to go back home. I needed to go to DC. So I, uh, I went up to DC. I stayed up there for a while, got a job, in a daycare, and then had a couple of other like small, small, small kind of dead end jobs. And I, in 2014, I got really sick. I got to the point where I could not eat. I was having trouble keeping my food down. I was, I was losing weight like crazy and I couldn't, I just couldn't eat anything. And I was staying at my, at a friend's house and they, 
they were like, what's wrong with you? Like every time I would eat, I would throw up. I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out what was wrong with me. And I went to the doctor. I, they did tests. They couldn't figure out. They did endoscopies. They did colonoscopies. They did all kinds of tests to finally find out that I have an autoimmune disease called gastroparesis, which the medicine is not approved by the FDA. So I get it from overseas and I take it 30 minutes before I eat and I'm actually able to eat now. <laughs> but amongst all of that, I mean, I even, I even had lymphoma at one time. Amongst all of this, I, I truly believe that all of this was due to stress and mm-hmm. due to all the stress that I endured for the 10 years that I was with this guy. And, um, and so I, I met a new guy and I thought he was amazing. And we dated and he was, he helped me kind of get myself reestablished, get myself back on, on solid footing. We dated for seven years and he was amazing. And, uh, he was personal trainer and he really helped me get my, get myself back on track and just kind of get a solid footing and everything. And everything was going really well. And then COVID hit and right as COVID was hitting, I found out I was pregnant and I found out that I was pregnant with twins and I was elated. Mm -hmm. Um, that my, that was another dream that I had had and I was just so excited. And so I, I found out I was pregnant and I, my pregnancy was difficult because I was dealing with weight issues and just health issues and everything. At 16 weeks, I found out that I lost one of them, but they were not able to be, I wasn't able to have a DNC or anything because they, it would hurt the other baby, right? Yeah. They were, they shared a placenta and a sack. So, so yeah, so I, so it was a little bit weird for me having a child. I I can only imagine what that does to you. And are you still with the guy at this point? Are you guys, were you still together at this point? Yeah, we were. Yeah. Okay. And so then in, so then in November, right, right after Thanksgiving, I went into labor and gave birth and they both came out. And the one that was alive, uh, she was uh, taken to the NICU immediately. She was 1.6 pounds. And that began a journey that I never thought I would do, but I was at the NICU all the time and I was spending the night there. And, and then I remember I got, I, I decided one day that I was just going to take the night off and just not be, just not be at the hospital. I needed just a day to kind of night to sleep in my own bed. I got a phone call from the doctor that night and he said, she's slipping and you need to come and I tried to get there and I didn't make it. I missed it by a minute. Oh, I'm so sorry. And it was hard. Yeah. Hard, yeah. Oh gosh, you've been through so much. Yeah. So I, so after that, I, I came out to St. Louis, which is where I'm from. I came out to St. Louis and been out here and working. And I've, I have a guy who I've been working for, for a while now and He's been helping me just, he and his wife both have been helping me and just helping me out tremendously with my just transitioning from losing the babies to figuring just out next steps. And, and, and where, where is the, the, the man that you were so happy with, who was the dad, where, what happened with that? In DC. Yeah. But you're not together anymore or you are. Oh, okay. 
No. So another loss, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so now I'm really, I've back in a couple of years ago, I had talked about doing a podcast and putting a podcast together for women that are involved in domestic violence. And I still want to do that. And I still want to have that space for women. I think that, I think that that will come, but it's, it's been, I'm hoping that now is kind of an opportunity for me to be able to transition into a new space in my life. I'm, it's been hard, but I'm, I'm excited and I, my business is going well and I'm just, I'm just excited about the the possibilities of transitioning with everything. And how, how are you healing? How are you healing from all of this? Or what are you doing to help yourself heal? Cause it's a lot. You've been through it a is, lot. Yeah. I've got, I've got some really close friends. I've got one amazing friend. He's, he's just been really influential in my life. Different than the one that I'm the guy, the guy and his wife that I was saying, but this is a guy that we've, we've kind of been seeing each other a little bit, but I'm just, I'm just really excited about just the, the new things that are happening in my life. I've gotten great opportunities and just the support system that I have in my life is really good. And I'm, it's, I don't, I'm keeping my circle very small. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't really open up to a lot of people, but I, I actually, last night I was like, can you read this and make sure that it looks okay or sounds okay when I'm writing for this Your story. And my, my friend that I was just saying that I was telling him and he, he was, he, he messaged me and he was, he messaged me last night and he was like, this is so powerful. He's like, you're going to do amazing. So, so yeah, and Carrie, yeah. you have such an unbreakable spirit for all that you have been through. It, it is amazing. You're still standing while all of this mm-hmm. and, and now you've developed your own business and you're working hard and you want to help other women that are going through something like this. And if you had something to say to women that might be experiencing what you're experiencing, what would you say? I would first say that I understand, I understand where you're at because it's, because I think one of the questions that a lot of people ask me, and I'm sure that other women can relate to this, that have been in this situation is why did you stay or why are you still there? Or why are you not leaving? And, and that's a very hard question to answer because it's, I mean, it's easy for us looking on the outside to say, I'm not going to put up with that. <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. going to leave if somebody hits me, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm going to call the police, but see, that's the thing. I never called the police. I never put, I never filed a report. I never, I never did any of that stuff. And so it's, unless you're in that situation, you can't really understand why we, and I say we, because I stand with these other women, but I say we, the we, why we can't leave. And, and so I would say to them, do what you can to get, to get help and get support, because that's one thing that I, I think if I had felt like that, I had some support, I don't, I probably, I may not have stayed as long as I did. I, I may still have stayed. I don't know, but, but I didn't really feel like I had a ton of support and, and I felt like that people were telling me what to do including him, his family, my family, my friends, and, and also just, just really like, if you're in those relationships, like 
before you get married, like really get to know the person that you're marrying. Because I, I really did think that I knew him and I was shocked to my core at the things that I went through. This is just, this is just like, like the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it's it's horrific. So it's just, it's just, you never know who you're, who you're marrying and who you're with and, and just, and, and, and I'm happy that people, that people's marriages have lasted too. I don't ever wish that on anyone, but, but it's get to know the person that you're marrying and really, really get to know them because I, I wish that I would have known who I was getting with because and I think me, I remember he told me one time we were having we were in having sex and he would tell me he was like when we're having sex I feel like we're in a porno movie. So this that, is before you knew all of this. Before yeah. You knew, oh. Yeah. I mean, but this. I mean, my my ex husband would tell me this, mm-hmm. and, and I just that to me just said like you don't care about me like you, oh. just, you care about your addiction you care about what you're going through. Yeah. So. And red looking for red flags prior to Mm -hmm. getting married, which I don't know how you, you were having an idyllic, probably because it started long distance, but then you have this fan, his family who was really keeping his secrets and pressuring you to stay in there with it, which is really, uh, I don't even know what to say. That's it's complicated. It's complicated. There are many, many layers to this of what you went through. Yeah. Did you find that the church, even though he didn't stick with it, what, did you get some support there? Did that help you at all? I did, but there was, but what I will say is while we were very active in this church, the, there was a lot of awkwardness because he didn't attend. And, and so when I, like when everything was kind of said and done, it was difficult for me to, I think it was difficult to mend the relationship with me in the church. Like, I think, I mean, like I didn't do anything wrong, but there was just, I was associated in that sense. And I think it was just, it's hard to explain, but I just think it was just, there was an awkwardness afterwards and I haven't attended that church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, I was wondering if they were trying to also encourage you to stay in that relationship. No, I mean, they, they did, they offered counseling and stuff and we did do counseling with them. But I think, I think they, I mean, I remember someone from the church even said to me, look, you know, if he's not going to get the help, Mm. help. we can't help you. Right. Yeah. And so it was just, and I think there was at one point where I was kind of going at my, by myself, they were like, this is great that you're here, but if he's not, if he's not going to come and be a part of stuff, like we can't, we can't just, I, I get that because yeah. I went through some therapy, family therapy. And if, yeah. if my ex-husband, he wouldn't show up, I, I got fired by my therapist. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah it's like, so, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. And I was crushed. Yeah. I was so crushed because yeah. you're like, wait a minute, this is my lifeline. This is <laughs> you've got to help me here. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. So it was, it was difficult for, and that's why I think that the relationship was just kind of awkward. Yeah. I was just wondering if it was, if it was a resource that we would offer to our listeners uh, or they're, they're an amazing church. I will say that like they're, they're, they are an amazing church and I never, and they have a great mission and they're huge in the DC area. I mean, they're huge, but I, 
they've got planted plants, church, planted churches. And a lot of people I know have been to that church and they're very big on outreach. So, so yeah, I'm sure that they could help people. I just, I, I think for us, it was just, it was awkward because he wasn't doing his part and right. they were, we don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Carrie, I so appreciate your sharing this very difficult, painful story. And I know that there are listeners out there who may be going through something similar and to see that you got through it and you are healing, you are unbreakable. You have your business going. So if someone wants to reach out to you, are you open to them reaching out to you to talk about domestic abuse? Uh, I know that also you can help people with your business. I am. Yeah. So the best way to reach me is probably my email. So it's Carrie, K-E-R-R-I and H as in Henry 1275 at gmail.com. Okay. And so you would be comfortable Mm -hmm. talking to people about domestic abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And then just anything you want to share about your business? So my business is I do social media. I do VA work, definitely open to having a consultation with anyone would love to talk about your business, help you with any of your project management stuff, social media, anything like that. Definitely can reach out via my email as well. Awesome. Well, again, I want to thank you for sharing this this story and your journey and wishing you all the best and all the healing and all the good things that can come to you in your life. And thank you for being willing to talk to people about this very difficult subject and being willing to talk to them individually if they, if they're seeking help. Thank you. All right, Carrie, well, you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining us on Unbreakable Spirit. To learn more about Jennifer and her holistic weight loss approach, visit her website at 7company.com. That's the number 7company.com. And please join us for our next episode where we'll hear from more women who overcame hardship and learned how to thrive.